0: This podcast is brought to you by Sci-Fi, the world leader in psychology fitness training. Sci-Fi is scientifically proven to help you optimize your physical, mental, and emotional performance through functional training of your brain, body, and breath. For the first time, have your own clinical psychologist, personal trainer, life coach, breathwork teacher, and mediation instructor all in one. Instead of having to wait months or even years for results, you get them in 75 minutes or less. That's the Sci-Fi difference. Rewire your brain, retrain your body, and refocus your breath. Learn more at psyfi.nyc.
1: Hi, I'm Dustin. Welcome to Life's Tough. You can be tougher. This is a show about life, and it's about purpose, and it's about the inspiring stories that we hear along the way. Well, our guest today is quite special. Her name is Denise Illich. Denise has been an integral part of Detroit's business and philanthropic community for nearly 30 years as a dedicated business leader, devoted community servant, and supporter of many charitable causes. She is president of Illich Enterprises and previously served as president of Village Holdings, a privately held business that manages entities such as Little Caesars Enterprises, the Detroit Red Wings, the Detroit Tigers, and Olympia Entertainment. And as you're going to hear her story today, well, it's one that will inspire you. And she teaches us lessons about adaptability and about listening. Let's welcome her on now. Denise, welcome to the show.
0: It's wonderful to be here, Dustin. Thank you.
1: You know, it's exciting to have somebody on today that to me is very dear to the Lifestuff family, in that uh, you have an incredible show uh, here on the network. And so that kind of leads us into your story, Denise. I mean, you come from a family of entrepreneurs, you are one yourself. And so tell us, where'd your journey begin? Where'd you start off? Where, where was Little Denise from?
0: <laughs> well, Little Denise is from Detroit, Michigan. And I moved around the state as my family grew. I'm the oldest of seven children uh, four boys, three girls. So I learned to be a minority early and learned to be assertive and advocate and speak up early. Uh, My parents were met on a blind date.
1: A blind date? I mean, that still happens?
0: Yes. Isn't that funny? And they both were kind of disappointed and ended up being married like over 60 years.
1: (laughs) So it didn't work out, was what you're saying. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) right, right,
1: right.
0: And they built, um, along with a whole lot of other people, built a a, a wonderful business, multiple businesses, but they started out um, very austere in humble beginnings. And since I was the first, I was on the end of the humble beginnings, not as much so much later in my life uh, on the successes that they enjoyed.
1: So in the early days, what you're saying is you saw your parents build something from the ground floor.
0: Yes, exactly. It was I was four years old and they would take me to uh, the restaurants. They founded Little Caesars and it was the first restaurant, Little Caesars Pizza Treat in Garden City. I sat in the back on flower bags that looked enormous at the time. I look at them now and they don't even look that big. But my mom uh, basically ran the front of the house and my dad made the pizzas. And what's really astonishing, I think, about their story is neither of them ever went to college and received no formal training uh, in business or in any of the businesses that they had. So they were incredibly, incredibly bright, and gifted all on their own.
1: So, you know, I've learned, and I think you have as well, that, you know, success leaves clues. So thinking about your parents' own story, and I have to imagine that when your parents were building the business, they were consumed by it. Well, quite frankly, they probably wanted it like they wanted to breathe. Yes. That all it takes is all you got. Is that what it takes to build something? Does it, do you have to go all in?
0: Yes, I think you do. I think that, Um, I learned seven principles of leadership really from my parents, but there's one that I say is do the work. It's not sexy. It uh, doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that principle, but at the end of the day, you've got to do the work. What I have seen not only through them, but through all of the businesses and, and I've had the privilege to be around a lot of successful people. They all share the same qualities. I, I kind of call them the three C's, courage, confidence, and a can-do attitude.
1: Courage. So, you know, what's interesting is, and I read a quote recently, and I don't want to butcher it, but it went something like that courage is not not having fear. Courage is is overcoming the fear. So I have to think of back when your parents and when when you and the, your, your family were, were building this thing, That there were moments of fear. I mean, we live in one of the most litigious countries in the world, or building a business, especially in the food industry that, you know, people well well, quite frankly, I'm sure they, they threw a lot of, they threw a lot of arrows at your family that they made a lot of comments that it probably wasn't easy. I mean, being high performance and succeeding comes with a cost.
0: Yes. It comes with a lot of cost and a lot of sacrifice. If you can imagine in 1959, when my dad was, a uh, he was signed by the tigers, ironically, And he would go door to door to sell pots and pans. And that's where he learned. Pots
1: and pans.
0: Marketing. Because he's so brilliant in marketing. I said, Dad, where did you learn to be so smart in marketing? He said, I went door to door and I listened to how people made decisions on how to spend their money. And one Uh, of the fears, I think, is when he did save up enough money uh, from his door to door sales and put. I think it was $10,000 on the first Little Caesars store. Um, many people said to him, pieces of fat. This is not a real food. It's just a fat It's going to come in and go. In History, of course, we know better now. But at the time, it was risky. When he was playing for the Detroit Tigers in their farm system, they would travel to cities around the country. And when he had off time, he'd go and visit restaurants Italian restaurants and he loved pasta and he loved pizza and it, he studied it
1: Wow I mean that's what's fascinating is you know when you and I get to well we get to meet a lot of high performance people around the world and you grew up with one in particular that it sounds to me that he was a listener you know there are those that are the knowers and then there are the those that I call the curious ones they're the thinkers they're the ones that want to ask questions so growing up you know with a, with a father that's quite high performance, how did you learn? Did you learn by watching him? Did you learn by listening? Or did you create your own style? I mean, becoming your own your own person. And by the way, I will say, and it's my words, not yours, being born into a family where if there's such high performance, that must come with a heavy cost for you as a, as a child to be able to meet a standard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my beginnings were less. I had nothing to compare it to. Like, I, I didn't have somebody that to go, I have to beat that or I have to match that. And you did. So talk about that.
0: Well, you're very astute in making the observation without knowing him, what a good listener he was. And I thought, I think it was a key to his success as I look, one of the keys, and it's one of the principles that I talk about in the seven principles. But um, as I look back, I think that he did that also because of his lack of formal education. And he always wanted to hear other people's ideas. And then he would gather those ideas and then he would make a decision on what to do. And he had no pride of authorship. He didn't care where the idea came from. He talked to everybody equally. He treated everybody equally. So listening is a, is a skill and one that contributes directly to success. As far as your question on growing up in a high performance family, as with most things, there are silver linings and there are challenges. And so being a female in the 1950s and 60s, there wasn't a whole lot expected. When I stated I wanted to go to law school, someone said to me, well, you're just going to get married and have children anyways. Why would you take a spot away from a man? But my parents had very high expectations of us. And I learned more by observing. I was what you would call a daddy's girl. And so I learned early that if I wanted to be with my dad, I had to go to work with him, And that's basically what I did. And so I went in the car with him when he would look for real estate sites and he would share with me how he picks a real estate uh, site. I'd go with him, he'd stop into the stores and, and inspect them. I'd go in with them. He would tell me how he knows when someone's not reporting all of the sales. He would show me what you look for in a store, cleanliness. He, he taught me along the way. Um, so I kind of was like a sponge around my dad. I, I wanted to learn as much as I can. And so I listened, I learned, I observed and then I took what I learned later in life and applied it to my life. And I'm hoping today I can take what I've learned and help others and show others those lessons that I learned from him.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, that's beautiful. The way that you talk about him talks more of a, a mentorship that, yes. that he was mentoring you. Like, you know, somebody gave me advice on parenting and they said that you're preparing your you're preparing your kids for the day you're no longer here. And I think that's what's interesting. We have a heart of empathy. And when you have a heart of giving. When you start every relationship instead of your hand out, it's how can I help you? It's just that that you're leaving this world far better than the way you found it. So talk about legacy. You know, when when we look at
0: Yeah, I think that's really true, particularly on parenting. You know, you have children, they're really, really smart, much smarter than we give them credit for. And talk is cheap. With children, they watch everything that you do, and that is much more powerful than I think what you say. So for me, legacy is all about honoring uh, his his teachings and what he stood for, carrying on his message, carrying on his heart, and um, doing good. You know, somebody once asked me if your dad was here. What would you say to him if you could say one thing to him? And I, I think I would say, hey, dad, how are we doing? Are we doing okay? How are we
1: doing? So you wanted to- <laughs> Are so we you making you
0: proud? I'm still trying to make my dad proud. Interesting. And, you know, he's been gone well, for five I, years.
1: <laughs> I, I got to dig into that then, Denise. I I, I got to dig into the question of wanting to meet the expectation of a high performance person, that it is challenging because, because the way they think is- well, it's differently than the way many others think. So talk about that. I mean, was because it doesn't mean they don't love you or, or care about you, but but become getting them to be proud of you. What did it take? Or what does it take or you as a as a child growing up in a very successful family? But I gotta tell you, Little Caesars, Pizza Pizza. Like that was the best commercial I remember growing up as a yes, boy. Yes,
0: That's right. Well, I, like I said, I think it's got positives. I think it's very motivating and I think that you've got a role model. You have a template with which to look, um, but it can be daunting. Sometimes I think it it probably was harder on my brothers, um, because I think, you know, with sisters, maybe there wasn't as much expected, uh, societally, but that has evolved and changed, uh, but for me, it's just about honoring him, and I think the best way I can honor him is to make him proud and to um, honor the values that he taught us uh,
1: that's That's beautiful because what I'm hearing is that he gave you some accountability because it's yes. very easy in this world to get lost, but when you have somebody you look up to that you don't want to let down, well, they equally hold you accountable to what you can become, and that's greatness and so looking at what you're doing today, you know, you touch a lot of hearts. You've got a very special show as I I said earlier on, like I'm so excited for you and for the show and the guests that have come on. Thank you. You know, what is your, what is your overall goal? I mean, as you now are talking to people, you and I talked about this offline, that it is can be a little challenging and tricky trying to get to know somebody. So what have you been learning as you're getting to know others through their story?
0: Well, I started out wanting to hear people's stories so that they would inspire others. And the silver lining, what I've learned, Dustin, after doing my first season is how much they inspire me. And I hadn't planned on that. And everyone has a nugget of wisdom or a nugget of experience or multiple nuggets um, on how how to keep your confidence strong, how to deal with adversity how to cope, you know, uh, and everyone's got a slightly different take on it. So for me, you said it earlier, and I think that's why um, I relate to you so much is that if you can touch one heart, it's worth it, whatever work is involved or time or effort or sacrifice. And so my goal is just to lift people, to leave the planet a little bit better than how I found it and um, to make life a little bit easier, maybe inspire a person at that moment and pay it forward just as I've been inspired uh, by others along the way.
1: That's a beautiful message. Now, we've just come out of this horrible pandemic, or at least I think we're almost out of it, where people are now back to work. Uh, you know, Individuals are starting to go back into offices, see each other again. Human beings are starting to greet. You know, Talk to the business owners out there. Talk to those people that are they're candidly trying to figure out the secret sauce. What is that secret today to succeed? What will be required of leadership as we move forward?
0: Well, uh, I think that it's a multifaceted answer, but I, what comes to mind quickly is adaptability. I think that the world is changing and changing so rapidly that you must be a leader that can adapt and to adapt to whatever is thrown your way. I mean, to use, you know, sports vernaculars, you've got to be able to handle the speed ball, the knuckleball, the fastball. I mean, you've got to be able to adapt. I think that obviously, as we talked earlier, the work, your work ethic is really, really important, but you can work smart It doesn't necessarily mean you have to put in thousands of hours. I think there are lots of efficiencies now. Um, And I think that the more you put out into the world, the more you get back. And if you invest in your community and in your employees and in your customers, they will pay it back to you.
1: And how do we learn more about you, Denise?
0: Well, please listen to our show, The Denise Zillich Show. I would love um, to have people listen and anybody that's interested in being interviewed or you know i just love hearing great stories so i am gonna have to have you on the show justin
1: well stories connect us and it would truly be <laughs> my honor my dear friend
0: thank you and i gotta do
1: our send-off lifestyle. Okay. tough denise illich you and your family you're tougher thanks again for sharing your story thank you again denise for sharing such a powerful story and to the audience out there, what was your takeaway? Mine was to have a heart that listens. I read a quote that goes like this. Speak in such a way that others love listening to you. Listen in such a way that others love speaking to you. That is the heart of Mike Illich. That is the heart of Denise Illich and the entire Illich family. Thank you again, everybody, for listening in. Life stuff you can be tougher. See you next time.